my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's so wonderful to be able to share with you again. This week we're following the theme, the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. And the big question for today, is the ecumenical spirit the same as biblical unity? Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome back, David. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, listeners. I hear you've had a very busy week. Yeah, busy two weeks, actually, and next week's pretty hectic as well, but it's better to be busy than to be the opposite. It must be coming close to the end of the year. It is. It's just rapidly, well, it seems to be rapidly approaching, but it's the same pace as normal, isn't it? A, a countdown is on, I've discovered. You know, everyone seems to have, I went, I went and bought my diary for next year uh, just uh, just a couple of weeks back, and I'm starting to write next year's diary, and I'm starting to think, what a terrible thing to actually have to be starting to, to do all the preparation already, you know, all in time for holidays. Very, very true. Yeah, yeah. David, tell us, look, next, uh, next Saturday, um, not Tomorrow, not uh, not this weekend, but the one after, you're going to be linking all the churches in South Australia for a thing called a a virtual regional. Now, this is I'm finding this quite quite intriguing, actually. Um, I mean, all the churches. What are you going to be doing? Yeah, look, COVID has. Um had so many negatives and detrimental impacts. But one of the positives is that with many denominations, no doubt, is that we've been forced to go on live streaming and various things such as that, other platforms to get the message out. And while we can't meet in numbers of, you know, a thousand people, etc., because of social that's what distancing, normally do, that's what we normally do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just too awkward. The numbers that we could have is, is not enough. And so we've decided to hold a virtual regional next Saturday, the uh, 31st of October. In fact, beginning Friday night, the 30th of October. Okay. And, uh, and so how many churches are, are going to be coming together? You ask me questions I don't have answers to, Gary. No, look, we have, we have quite a number of our churches coming together. Not all of them. We don't have complete unity. We have some diversity, Gary, <laughs> as I'm sure you're touching on tomorrow, I believe. But um, not all of our churches, but a lot of them. I mean, there's other programming happening. But um, we have, yeah, quite a lot of our churches will be on board, and we have a guest speaker from America joining us. His name is Lee Venden. Okay, so he's not obviously flying in. No, he's not flying in. I don't think they'd let him in, would they? So is he sitting in front of his computer back in America? Yeah, look, he uh, will be uh, coming to us live from Arizona in the United States, Friday night at 7.30pm, Australian Central Daylight Time. And uh, again, Saturday morning, uh, 9.30am, we will have a study hour program. And then at 11am, we will also have um, uh, Lee Venden speak to us again, Australian Central Daylight time. So he must be talking over in America about the middle of the night. Yeah, look, it's interesting. On the uh, on the ninth and the tenth of October, we had uh, an incredible Romanian speaker by Pavel Goya do exactly yeah, the same good. thing. Very good. And he joined us live. And Gary, all of this is uh, comes to us uh, from a media arm, I guess, and and it's called Living Ministry Media. 
tell us a little bit about Living Ministry Media. Now, they're connected with the South Australian Conference, are they? They are, yes, absolutely. And a group of very intelligent, I was going to say intelligent, they are intelligent, very dedicated people that have been in media ministry for for 20-odd years, uh, volunteers, uh, ranging from those that uh, are older than myself and maybe almost as old as you to, to quite young. Yeah. Um, giving of their time. And uh, if you were to go on livingministrymedia.com.au, Gary, that's livingministrymedia.com.au, they have a whole vast um, library of incredible videos and, and other things, of incredible sermons, um, testimonies, all sorts of things. Yeah. Of, um, and so... Y- if people tune in this coming um, next weekend, I should say, the 30th Friday evening and the 31st Saturday morning, 9.30 and again at 11 and I think again at 4 p.m., we have three sermons from Lee Venden and he will be speaking on Gethsemane. And he's an incredible storyteller. Wow. wow. Yeah. This is something that may interest some of our good mates over in Victoria at this particular point in time because I'm conscious that a lot of their churches haven't been able to reopen at this particular point in time. Very true, very true, and and we need to um, pray for all Christians and all people in Victoria. Yeah. I mean, very, very difficult uh, being in ministry and being a church member and, mm. and not being able to be in your church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, David, really, uh, really appreciate that, uh, folks. If you'd like to come and join us, that's not this uh, Saturday, but the following uh, Saturday, uh, Friday night and the Saturday, most people are, are welcome to join with us. Absolutely. There's no charges. You just get on to YouTube, www.livingministrymedia.com.au. Okay. Okay. That's fantastic. It's also good to be able to uh, to chat today to Ellie Hunter. Uh, Ellie's a fantastic young lady who's the church engagement manager of Open Doors in Victoria, South Australia and in Tasmania. Uh, welcome, Ellie. It's great to have you online. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you all today. Tell us, Ellie, what is Open Doors Australia? Yeah, so Open Doors is a charity that helps people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. So our focus is towards the persecuted church. And Open Doors began when Brother Andrew, who's most well known for his book, God Smuggler, Mm -hmm. encountered God when he was in his 20s. And in a response to his hunger for the Word of God, he began smuggling Bibles into closed nations such as Russia and Romania, which were under heavy uh, communism at the time. Um, and now, more than 60 years later, we're still advancing the gospel into those regions as well as uh, up to a 100 other nations around the world and helping the local church thrive. I think it's good to know, know too, that we actually don't exist to end persecution uh, or to try, try to avoid the things that stop us from following Jesus in our own context, but instead we try to overcome them together. That's a, a huge job description. Uh, you know, I mean... <laughs> Tell us something. Firstly, I suppose, in the contemporary context right now, is the church Mm. worldwide, is it facing increased persecution? Yeah, we've actually, we produce a resource called the World Watch List every single year, and that is tracking levels of persecution in the top 50 nations around the world, as well as just nations in general. And one thing that we have been noticing is each year the number of individuals who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ across the world is increasing year by year um, and quite dramatically too. 
And I think sometimes we can think that it's getting easier for Christianity um, and persecution is a thing of the past or is declining. But it's um, very obvious at the moment, even especially in the conditions we're in this year, that it is sadly continuing to be on the rise. Any any particular examples that you've got? Any stories that you've heard of uh, of individuals who've really had struggles in in the countries where they live? Yeah, I think especially at the moment for Australian believers, our heart is so drawn to persecuted believers who have the added cost of the pandemic this year and everything that's happening on a global scale. And um, I'm sure many listeners would know that Yemen is facing a humanitarian crisis at the moment and Christians are bearing the brunt of this hardship as they're facing both persecution, the global pandemic and famine and war. But in the suffering, there are so many stories of hope. A believer from northern Yemen, whose name is Chuki, shared that there's a lot of anxiety and frustration dominating their neighborhood at the moment. And many people around them are fearful as there's talk of the tragic ways that a person can die from um, the virus, as we all know. But she was just sharing in contrast to that attitude that she's noticed how believers have been such a blessing in their communities at this time as they're talking about how to deal with not just this pandemic but all of the issues happening within their country at the moment. Mm. And it's bringing a spirit of hope and encouragement and prayer in the midst of everything that is happening. And they were sharing that even in light of the difficult conditions they're facing, they feel the Lord Jesus right there with them, which I just think is it's so beautiful. They they were sharing with us that they feel his mercy and closeness. And whilst a lot of people are complaining about the emptiness and boredom because yeah. they have to stay at home more, they have found it as a valuable opportunity to pray and draw closer to God. And I just think that is such an incredible response in the midst of everything that's happening in such a conflicted nation at the moment. In other words, the spirit continues to work in spite of everything else that uh, that is actually going on at the present time. It's so true. And I think that is something that we witness as part of the team Open Doors on yeah, a really daily basis. I was reading a testimony just a few uh, months ago, and it was just sh- such a short testimony, but it was of an Afghan mother and believer, and she got access to the Word of God for the first time and she brought the scriptures into her home and she's a mother of five and one of her children was disabled. But she shared that when she brought the Bible into her house that her daughter's legs began to move for the first time. And then as she began to read the scriptures, her daughter stood up and walked for the first time. And I just think it's incredible that in some of the darkest corners of the earth, God is making himself evidently known to his people. And, yeah, the persecuted church has so many stories of hope such as these that I think for us in the Western church, just fill us with such encouragement um, and it's so much inspiration as well. That is so true. We actually overlook, you know, the, we have so many advantages here uh, and yet the churches that seem to be growing spiritually the fastest are certainly those who are facing incredible persecution at this particular time. Tell me, look, I keep hearing a, a lot of stories coming out of China of, you know, China uh, really giving the Christian churches generally a really, a really difficult time. 
any comments on China? Yeah, I think in Asia, especially at the moment, we've been hearing in the midst of this virus that it's been exceedingly difficult. Um, we had some Christian nurses sharing with us lately that they've been uh, discriminated for their faith and it's leading to dangerous situations for them. Um, one Christian nurse shared with us from that region that their Muslim nurses are actually putting them with COVID patients because they're considered, as Christians, more dispensable. And so they were saying, like, pray for us to use this opportunity to share the gospel with them, but also just pray for our safety during this time. Um, and I think that it's such a difficult thing to see, but... Uh, China is just such a, a fruitful nation who, as we know, has just seen so much, so many revivals birth within their country. And, mm-hmm. um, we heard from a believer called Wang Ming Dao, who is one of the leading revivalists that saw the movement happen quite a number of decades ago. And he was sharing about his 28 years in imprisonment, um, solitary confinement actually for his faith. And, just the encouragement he was giving to the Western church was actually to find time to, in a sense, build our own prison cell, which I found an interesting comment. But to actually, in the midst of even um, some of the restrictions that states such as myself are experiencing at the moment, to utilize that as an opportunity to get to know Jesus Christ better. And I think that's such a powerful comment to hear from a church leader who, in the midst of those many years of solitary confinement found it a beautiful, beautiful season of getting to know his Messiah. I imagine he probably wouldn't have had a lot of access to the internet and to television and to media either, I imagine. <laughs> no, I feel like most of the distractions of our lives would have been um, thrust away from him. But yeah. it's amazing that in those moments we find the simplicity and that all we really need is Jesus Christ. Ali, really appreciate what you're actually sharing there. Tell us, how can the church in Australia, and churches right across the board, how can we best help? Is there anything that we can do to, to really assist the persecuted church? Yeah, that's such a wonderful question. I think there's really three ways that as believers here in Australia that we can really engage with the persecuted church. And One of the first and foremost ways is simply prayer. As we all know, prayer is so powerful and one of the ways that just knits us as a body of Christ around the world together. Um, That's one of the main things that the persecuted church always asks for, is that we would pray not for persecution to leave them, but for them to be strengthened in the face of it, which I just find so incredible. Um, Secondly, the other way is literally even what uh, you're all doing today is just lending an ear allowing their testimonies and their stories um, to not be unseen or heard, but to actually, as believers here in Australia, to listen to those stories and allow it to become a challenge for us to live more boldly for Jesus here. Uh, And finally, I think like uh, we would all understand so much of the work Open Doors does requires resources for us to be able to get alongside the church and stand arm in arm with them to see them share the gospel in their region. So even just um, becoming a monthly partner and actually subscribing to the survival of the persecuted church is one of the most practical and helpful ways that you can join hands 
in seeing the persecuted church thrive and ultimately us thrive in that process as well. Oh, fantastic. Tell us, if people wanted to get you know, regular communication uh, from Open Doors, how do they go about mm. doing that? Yeah, if you just head to our website, www.opendoors.org.au, on there you will find so many resources from uh, ways to subscribe to the persecuted church, whether that's with prayer resources or financially. You'll also find on there our blog um, and many other resources where you can connect in and hear current testimony from the persecuted church and be actively and daily encouraged in your faith. Tell us that website again, Ellie. Yep, that's www.opendoors.org.au. Fantastic, fantastic. I think I might go on there and have a look-see myself, actually, because that's... Uh, uh, no, no, I really appreciate what you've actually uh, actually shared and, you know, the uh, and the ministry that you're actually doing because I'm so conscious, you know, prayer is such a powerful instrument uh, when uh, when they when they share their needs and when they intercede mm. for, for others. And uh, certainly I'm conscious of the uh, financial needs as well and the getting out of these stories is just so, so important. Ellie, thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, this afternoon. I'm just wondering, can I have prayer for for you and open doors before we uh, before we finish? Oh, Gary, that would be so much. Thank you. Father in heaven, Lord, just come to you right now. I just want to say thank you for Open Doors. I want to say thank you for their ministry. You'd be especially close uh, to those who are struggling at this time. I think, uh, Lord, those who are facing persecution, I pray that you might strengthen them as they have requested. I pray that your spirit might be with them powerfully. Uh, Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. That was Ellie Hunter uh, earlier this afternoon from uh, from Open Doors uh, Australia, a really powerful ministry ministering to the persecuted church. Uh, David, one of the things that really stood out to me was the uh, request from one of the people in the persecuted church that they we pray for strength rather than resolution of persecution. That that challenges me. I mean, what's your thinking on that? It is very challenging, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm just thinking of, of Peter. I mean, uh, the epistles of Peter often talk about enduring suffering, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, God can do anything, can't he? And um, you read through the book of Acts, mm. and there is so much deliverance. Yeah. But yeah. there is also apostles that, uh, that lose their lives, that, that die. I'm so conscious that we're living in a world now where this issue of persecution seems to be coming to the surface in a way that uh, certainly I wasn't aware of it in a previous decades. No, and, and clearly in Scripture we see that persecution was a part of the early church. Yeah. You read yeah. from Acts chapter 8 and uh, incredible persecution broke out. You read the book of Revelation, you find it there uh, in John's day, but we get insights in the book of Revelation and elsewhere that towards the end of time and right at the very end, persecution will occur in a significant way like never seen yeah. before in persecution of Christians. Yeah, yeah. No, and we're seeing that today. We are seeing that. We are seeing that starting to starting to occur. Folks, let's come to some, some music. This is uh, Fountain View Academy, Champion of Love. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you in this 
this corner of the good and the right Stands a champion robed in white His height exceeds the heavens His weight outweighs the world His reach reaches everywhere His age is evermore He is higher than the highest Greater than the great No one will ever take his power away He is mightier than the he reigns from above, above He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love He left his hometown to enter this arena to raise his hands in victory for me An angry crowd crucified this king who wore their crown And they gladly watched their champion going down Oh, but I will never count him out For I'm a witness of the day he rose to retain the title Champion of Fountain View Academy Orchestra and Singers Champion of Love What a powerful song uh, that uh, that is uh, Folks, we have a, a DVD that we're giving away today If you would like a copy of uh, Pastor Doug Batchelor's video Revelation, The Bride, The Beast and Babylon This is a powerful prophetic DVD If you'd like a copy of Revelation, The Bible, Beast and Babylon Then send a text right now now, just send it to our studio phone here. That's 0438 655 That's 0438 655 Send us your name and your address, and we will send you uh, immediately uh, this uh, this video. It's a real beauty. It's a fantastic uh, little uh, little video done by Pastor Doug Batchelor. Uh, he's uh, he has an international media ministry, and his ministry is respected and uh, honoured by by so many people. That video again is the Revelation, the Bride, the Beast, and 
Babylon by Pastor Doug Batchelor. Uh, just text your uh, your name, your uh, address to 0438 665. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're following the theme, The Ecumenical Spirit in a post-biblical world. And the big question for today, is the ecumenical spirit the same as biblical unity? You know, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that the religious world is changing so quickly. It just seems from every direction, a change is impacting how churches are worshipping. Just a little while ago, I shared this uh, this with our uh, listeners uh, yesterday, but I, I must share it to you again. Uh, this uh, was an article that came from September 23, 2019, the Religion News Service. The growing the religious left by confessing their sins uh, to plants. And when I read this, I sort of thought, you have to be joking. This really couldn't couldn't be happening at a theological college. But anyway, uh, this is what it said, the Religion News Service. It might have been a scene out of the Little Shop of Horrors. A group of people of all ages and races sat on the floor of a church apologising to a group of plants. According to a tweet by the hosts of the event, the New York Union's Theological Seminary, it was part of a spiritual experience. Wednesday in chapel, the seminary official... Twitter account revealed, we confessed to plants. Together we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, sorrow, and in prayer, offering to the plants, plants as being beings that we too often fail to honour. In a follow-up tweet, Union Theological College said, theologies that encourage humans to dominate and master the earth have played a deplorable role in degrading God's creation. We must birth a new theology, new liturgy, to heal, to sow, replacing the ones that reap and destroy. Such a gathering might seem, well, unorthodox, but it's indicative, the article says, of the ways in which the Christian left in America has sought with varying degrees of success to re-establish itself. Indeed, Union's environmental reform liturgy is part of a wider trend, the marriage of concerns of contemporary social justice activism with an attempt to revive a robust progressive Christianity. Do you know, I am, uh, I am amazed when something uh, like this does actually occur at a theological college, a college that has a understanding or should have an understanding of the things of, the things of God. Picked up a few uh, a few years ago and an article and I, I did share this article with uh, with our listeners uh, yesterday. But uh, Pope Francis says that the nuns, though not the people who wear a habit, but rather those of no religious affiliation, can be allies for the church. Pope Francis extended a hand to those who don't belong to any religion, urging them uh, to work with believers to build peace and protect the environment. Francis says that he intends to follow a path of ecumenical dialogue set out by the Church at the Second Vatican Council. But he also reached out to those who don't belong to any religious tradition but feel the need to search for truth, goodness and the beauty of God. My question to you is, is that ecumenical spirit, is it the same as biblical unity? I would say absolutely not, Gary. Absolutely not. Uh, I think we get mixed up with this concept of ecumenical unity. 
and biblical unity. And we need to look at what biblical unity is to actually then see what ecumenical unity is and see the, the danger, if you like, of, of what it proposes. So you're actually drawing a, a clear distinction between the two. I think it's clear in Scripture. And if we call ourselves Christian, then surely the Word of God has to take precedence above what humanity might say, uh, churches may say, etc. I, I really appreciate that, David, because what you're doing is actually giving us a foundation from which we're able to work. Uh, because, you know, if in fact we are Christian people, to come to the foundation of our belief, which I, I suggest has to be the Word of God, in, because that is the revealed Word, it has to be. then what does the Word of God have to say? Well, firstly, Gary, I think the Bible says a lot about unity, doesn't it? It does. I mean, the Bible wants unity. Uh, Acts chapter 1, the genesis of the Christian church, Acts one fourteen, it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All the way through Acts, you read about this one accord yeah. that the early church had. And so we see that... Um, God is able to do amazing things when believers are united. Mm. But I think we need to unpack that. When believers are united. What they, does that actually mean? Well, they need to be united in truth. And what we see right here in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, Jesus departs into heaven, Acts 1, 9 to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, he ascends into heaven. He tells his believers to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And for 10 days, uh, these men and these women are in an upper room, about 120 all up, we read in verse 15, I think it is, of Acts 1. And they are repenting of their sins, they're confessing their sins, they're worshipping God, they're praying, they're, they're seeking the promise of the Father. In other words, self has been emptied. Mm. Their own agendas are put aside. Mm. They're not taking on all the social pressures and the the arguments that culture and uh, politics and every other entity wants us to take on board. They're seeking God, his goodness and his will. And when that happens, they're united together and the Holy Spirit is able to be poured out. So the Bible paints a picture of what unity should be. We should be unified in truth. Wow, that's that is... That is an incredible understanding because I love that picture that is painted certainly in the uh, early chapters of the book of Acts there because that came as a result of the disciples coming together in prayer. It came as a result of the working of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So we need to be very careful when we mix um, the ecumenical uh, movement for unity and biblical unity. Okay, let's let's just dig into this a little bit more because I'm conscious, for example, that uh, you know, I mean, um, is there a, a problem? You're you're making a, a distinction here. You're saying that it's important to have unity, but that needs to be based on an understanding of this thing called truth. Now, that to me, in the minds of many of our listeners, might become somewhat problematical. Of what truth is or being unified in truth? Of being unified. I mean, is it physically possible to be unified in truth? I mean, for example, I hear in uh, in many parts, and I know we're going to talk about this tomorrow, I hear there's a, a real call for unity in diversity. Mm. Um, but look, before we go there, I'm just, I'm just really conscious. What does the uh, – does the Scripture say anything – about this issue of uh, diversity. I mean, does does Christ 
ever bring division. Absolutely, and here we have this paradox, don't we? Uh, where we have in Acts, yeah, we've got to be unified, one accord, etc. But then in the Gospels, in several places, we find words that would say the opposite, don't we? Okay, didn't, can you share some of those with us? Yeah, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36, uh, Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he, he, um, he troubles them, if you like. He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. That's a, that's a challenging a little statement, David, because you know when uh, when Christ is able to say something uh, something like that, I uh, you know don't think that I'm come to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, for I've come to set a man against his father. But I thought the Christianity was going to bring unity. True Christianity will. So Jesus is saying that um, his message will bring division. His message will bring division. Truth and error cannot coexist. There will always be a division. Um, further, Gary, I guess we could go to Luke 12, couldn't we? Yeah. Luke 12, verses 51 to 53, Jesus again on this same theme says, Do you suppose that I've come to give peace on the earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There's a lot of in-laws there, isn't there? There is, there is. Um, so... Jesus is saying when, when the truth is preached, it'll bring division. Some mm. will receive it, some will reject it. We see that in the book of Acts, don't we? Yeah. Whenever Paul, wherever he went, trouble followed the preaching of truth. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if you go into, into John's gospel, John chapter 7, 43, it talks about, you know, here we've got the example of Christ and uh, he's, he's preaching the gospel. And uh, the word says there was a division amongst the people because of him, because mm. of Jesus Christ. In other words, there were some there who actually accepted him, but there are others who actually rejected him. That's true. So the teachings of Jesus do not always unify people. Mm. Okay. And there's a reason for that. Okay. Do you want to dig into, into that a little bit more? Yeah, look, I think as human beings, we... Because of sin, we are selfish at the core. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good in us. And so it is far easier for us to recreate Christ in our image than to allow him to recreate us in his image. That's a powerful statement, actually, David. That's, it, it, it is so easy to do exactly what you've just, uh, what you've just, just said there. And, you know, as I, as I look at that, I look at a religious world today that is in fact uh, hopelessly divided and yet wanting to come together on almost, can I suggest, almost political grounds? Absolutely. Now, some of, the, some of these things like social uh, welfare and well-being, I mean, uh, a part of Christianity, aren't they? Yeah. Healing, the, yeah. healing the sick, helping the poor, clothing people. Jesus talked about it. When I was in prison, you visited me, you clothed me, all these sorts of things. But when we separate the preaching and the proclamation of the Word of God, the Scriptures, mm. from these other things, I think 
too often we we move into political things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what and continually throughout the scriptures, what we actually find is this presentation of unity actually coming as a result of truth rather than on any political grounds. I mean, are there any examples in the New Testament of, you know, uh, truth uh, of of unity coming through truth or pleas for unity to come through truth? Yeah, look, certainly I go back to what we shared first of all there. The disciples uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, a little over 50 days earlier, mm. they had probably been in that same upper room. They were divided. Who was going to be the greatest? Can uh, John's... Uh, uh, James and John's mother comes to Jesus and says, can one of my uh, sons sit on this side and one on that side? Mm-hmm. That caused division amongst them. Fifty days later, after ten days of prayer and reconciling and humbling and surrendering themselves, they are then in a position, as they're emptied of self, to be filled with the Holy Spirit as it was outpoured. And that Spirit, the Holy Spirit, builds unity when we submit ourselves to God and to his will. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, as I sort of think of what uh, Paul says when he's talking to uh, uh, to Timothy, you know, to me, this is a, this is a really challenging uh, passage, passage as well here. This is 2 Timothy uh, 4, and it's verse 3 and uh, uh, 3 and 4. And uh, Paul, Paul is saying this, and again, he's talking about this, you know, diversity. The time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap, heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll be turned to fables. In other words, the thing that jumps out at me there, David, is that Paul is talking to Timothy and he's reflecting on a time that is yet to come in his day that you're going to have this this desire for people to move away from this thing called truth. There seems to be in the New Testament this continual call by the apostles and by the uh, by the prophets to actually come back to this thing called truth. Absolutely, and I think a couple of examples come to mind, Gary. In Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty nine. The Apostle Paul says this, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Mm-hmm. So there's a warning. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to be off the scene. I'm going to pass away. I'm going to die. Yeah. And I know that this will come into the church. Uh, Jude, Jesus' brother, Jude 1 uh, verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So he's saying, I want you to contend. I want you to be prepared to, to argue, to, to implore and to fight, not physically, but, but to, to preach the word of God. Be bold. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, look, that's, I love what you've said there, to be bold. You know, as I think of, uh, uh, Peter in the book of Acts, of course, he's preaching in chapter four there, and his comment is, there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. In other words, he's not here saying, Saying, hey, look, you know, we must, uh, uh, you know, divorce ourselves of Jesus Christ because I know that within the religious world today there is a coming together, and, and it's not just restricted to, you know, Christian churches. There is a coming together of people of all non-religions, and I look at this, and uh, I, I'm just so conscious that uh, biblically 
there would seem to be a foundation that said that Jesus Christ and the gospel was foundation to foundational to everything that would be believed and taught and that if those things were not being believed and taught, I mean, Paul actually went as far in the uh, gospel Galatians. to the Galatians of saying, hey, let him be accursed. If he preaches any other gospel. Indeed. Let him be accursed. Um, in uh, Ephesians 4, Four verses 1 to 6, he says, Paul, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm-hmm. So he is saying that you've been called. Now, what were they called to? In, in the Gospel Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus' followers were challenged and they were given this great commission to go into all the world uh, and to preach the Gospel and to baptize and to make disciples. And Jesus says there in verse 20 of Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. So if the scriptures are not our foundation, if they're not our cornerstone, if they're not the basis for what we build our faith, then the world will creep into the church. The world will creep into our lives, and it is impossible to try and meld Christianity with the world. In fact, uh, maybe a bit later on uh, this evening, we're going to talk about John 17, where Jesus uh, uh, juxtaposes the world and his followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, let's, let's, we will do that. Let's come to some music first because there's a beautiful song that so much matches what it is we've been speaking about. This is Ancient Words. This is Keith Lancaster and the A Capella Company. Yeah. 
Uh, Keith Lancaster and the Acapella Company. Ancient words. What fantastic words uh, they are in in that song. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we're following the theme, the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. And the big question for today, is the ecumenical spirit the same as biblical unity? Uh, David, look, bring us together. And the, I'm conscious that the Apostle John has got a great deal to say about this particular issue. Take us there. Some incredible material. John 8, Gary, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth. The scriptures have to be the foundation, not politics, not the environment, none of the, not social justice. If it's not based on the scripture, now we can have social justice in scripture, but if it's not based and the foundation of scripture, we're in trouble. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John uh, 16, verse 13 However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will guide you into all truth. David, what does that actually mean? It means that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we allow ourselves to be emptied, when we ask God to empty us and then fill us with the Holy Spirit, empty us of self. And when we're emptied of self and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, And as we journey in a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will convict us of what is truth as we read his word and as we pray. Um, In other words, truth at that point actually becomes an incredible possibility because I'm conscious that we're living in a world today where truth is actually something that's written off and it's sort of many paths to one heaven. It doesn't matter too much what you believe because we're all going to end up in the one place anyway. Or what is truth to you is different to what's truth for me. Yeah. It's very much subjective. I'm very conscious of uh, John chapter 18, verses 37 to 38. Jesus is before Pilate. Pilate questions him and he says, are you a king then? And Jesus answered and he said, you rightly say that I'm a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world. Listen to this, that I should bear witness to the truth. Mm. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Yeah. And Pilate says, what is truth? And that is almost, that's a dismissive um, statement, isn't it? That you so often do actually hear today, you know, can truth actually exist? Whereas what scripture is actually continually saying is that there's this beautiful thing that's a beautiful picture that's drawn in in scripture of this thing called truth. Yes, it can exist. Yes, it does exist. It's been given to you. It's been supernaturally revealed in the word. It's empowered. It's impacted on people's hearts through the moving of the Holy Spirit. And what you actually see is a, if you like, a beautiful flower actually being drawn. You know, I think of, I think it's, um, Amos, you know, chapter, chapter three, three. It makes a, an incredible statement. It says, can two people walk together? 
unless they be agreed. agreed. And you know, this, this walking together, when I walk with, you know, with a husband, with their wife, I walk with my wife, you know, there are certain things, we have to be agreed on it if there's going to be unity. Uh, do you find that? Abs- 100%, 100%. And I think, Gary, we, we, led to a really incredible chapter in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Mm-hmm. In fact, the whole chapter is basically a prayer of Jesus uh, just before his arrest yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a beautiful prayer, praying for himself, his disciples, and those that would believe after him. And there are a number of texts here that are used by the ecumenical movement, but they're taken completely out of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important, actually, Dave, because I agree with you totally on that. Jesus says in John um, 17, verse 6, I've manifested your name, this is talking of God the Father, to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all the things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you've sent me. Jesus is saying, I am one with you, God the Father. Yeah. I am one. Just like yeah. in Genesis chapter 2, where Adam and Eve become one flesh, they're, they're joined together in a unity, just like yeah. the Godhead is. I have, re- And that is what I have revealed to those people that you have given to me here. Absolutely. So he has modeled it to, uh, the Father and the Son have modeled it. Jesus has now given it to his disciples and they will model it. And then in verse 10, verse 11, he says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. Now, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. Um, we can only be connected to Jesus if we want to follow the truth, if we want to accept the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so if the if the world comes into the church are we following the world or are we following the scriptures because mm. as you read John 17 and you read Jesus's prayer he is continually comparing uh, contrasting his followers to the world I've taken them out of the world all of this sort of saying so to be followers of Jesus means that there will be a difference between us and the world Exactly, exactly. And that actually brings us down to Christ's prayer for unity, which I really appreciate, which is, again, a prayer which is continually taken out of context. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. You know, to me, as I look at this passage, I sort of say, hey, you know, that they may be one in us. The believer is actually called to be one in the Father and the Son. Absolutely. The unity here is actually a unity of the believer with the Father and the Son and believers who are united together in truth with the Father and the Son. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And yet what we see and what, what we've read, the text we've read, we've read Jude saying contend for the truth. We've talked about Paul, that after he departs, ravenous wolves will come yeah. in. So there is a constant battle. Satan wants to uh, destroy Christians, destroy the unity, true unity that exists between the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and believers. Mm. And he will do that by the world coming into the church. 
Yeah, yeah. In fact, David, you know, one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture is to me actually found in Revelation chapter 18. Because in Revelation chapter 18, you get this picture of a thing called Babylon. Now, I don't want to get into what Babylon is today, but I'll say enough to say that Babylon, of course, the first and initial meaning of the word is confusion. Yes. And it comes from, of course, the Tower of Babel, where God actually confused the tongues. If you like, he divided the nations. God, get this, divided the nations. Why? Because the people were in apostasy against him. And, and, and I think added to that, Gary, at the Tower of Babel, the people wanted to come together in unity. They did. Against God, in apostasy, as yes, you say. Yes. So they come together in unity, but it's a false unity. That's correct. And so God comes and divides that unity, as you've said. And exactly. And what you find, if you move to Revelation 18, you actually get a, a call, God's people actually being called out of this thing called Babylon. Now, I'm not going to get into identifying Babylon today, no. but except to say, Revelation 18.4 uh, actually talks about, uh, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, to her is Babylon, come out of her, my people, lest you share of her sins. God's people are called out of Babylon, the first meaning of which is uh, confusion. confusion. It means a lot more than that. Yes. But come out of confusion that you share not of her sins. Do you know, when I look at this, I say, hey, is the ecumenical spirit the same as biblical unity? No, it's no. far from it. In fact, God actually calls his people out, out. of confusion. And if ever we've got confusion in the biblical and in, in the religious world today, we have it now. It has to be this generation. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, I'm really conscious our time is getting getting away from us. Would you like to just pray that you'll be with anyone who might be struggling on this particular subject? Thank you, Gary. Father in heaven, we think of the prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, we live in an age where there is so much confusion of uh, truth is relative to our own opinion, our own thoughts or beliefs, but truth is not. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Father, um, we often want to um, mould you into our own image, into our own likeness, into what we want, but that will end in sadness, despair, and destruction. Help us instead, Lord, to, to realize that our own ways and man's way, humanity's way, will lead only to pain and suffering. We thank you that Jesus wants to give us life, and that life is in him. May we be unified in truth and on the word of Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, David. It looks like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Uh, please join us tomorrow. When Pastor Fabiano leads a discussion on are there limits on unity and diversity, really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Bethany Dillon. How deep are the Father's love for us. Mm -hmm. 